for our time of instruction this morning, let's turn in our Old Testaments to Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 through 23. I told you we would get to Lamentations chapter 3, if you just stick with me. And we are here, and it is beautiful, and it is a bright revelation of the true nature of God's love. Let's pray together. Lord, unseal our eyes, unveil our hearts, that we might see you as you really are. We need you. Allow your truth to be illuminated in such a way by your Spirit that we can not only see you, recognize your love, but recognize your embrace. And that your love in our lives could make a difference. And could make a difference in our families and in our world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lamentations 3, 19 through 23. We'll get there in a moment. One of my favorite theologians of the late 20th century was Francis Schaeffer. Uh, Francis Schaeffer was kind of a theologian, kind of a, uh, a pastor, kind of a missionary. He was a lot of things put together in one package. He really loved to look at culture and apply the scriptures to culture. And he had a way of looking at life. And one of my favorite metaphors that he constantly used was he talked about life in a fallen world being a flow, a flow of events, that that history is under God, God is sovereign over all, history is linear. And right now in your life and in my life and all over the place, there are events happening. History is being made today and it matters and you matter. And there's all kinds of individual actions in this flow of event. And some of your actions affect your life. It affects the lives of those you love. There are the actions of other people that affect you and these webs of relationships. Uh, We saw this week that there's kind of like natural phenomenon that happened. There was an earthquake in in Nepal. and, And that's a part this week of the flow of history. There's the flow of politics and economics, uh, world events and wars and the food chain and everything that is going on simultaneously. This is my father's world and he is sovereign over it all, but it is a linear flow of history. And I think we get that. And I think we also get that sometimes that flow of events in our life can be very difficult. And to change the metaphor a little bit, we kind of feel like sometimes that that flow is against us. We feel a lot of pressure on our lives and, and, and when it really, really gets tough, we need hope. You know, we, we feel these difficulties because sometimes it, they literally are the consequences of our bad choices. They just are. That's part of the flow. Sometimes they are the consequences of the folly of people we love. And sometimes it's just a difficult season for, for reasons that we don't understand. But, but you know, in that, that difficulty and in that flow of, of our lives, we need hope. Where is God in the flow of my life when it is difficult? Chapters 1 and 2 of Lamentation just outline the difficulties of the flow of events 
for the nation of Israel. I mean, they were standing in the midst of the ruins of their city. And it really was the consequences of their idolatry, as we learn in the text. Uh, Jerusalem is charred, burned to the ground. The temple is destroyed. There are fresh graves everywhere. There are tears. There's a almost thousand mile Jewish trail of tears to Babylon and relocation for a large port, part of this, uh, this population. And we read just the aftermath, the postcard from the aftermath in, in chapters 1 and 2. And in this chapter, chapter 3 of Lamentations, the first 18 verses, it kind of changes from the city, Jerusalem, talking to the writer of Lamentations talking. We think Jeremiah. And it's not only about that difficult flow of events, but chapters 1 through 18 of this chapter are about how he feels about it. You see, this is where all these events actually begin to touch our lives. We see what a reaction to this flow is looking like uh, with the people Israel. And it's dark. And um, it, it, you just feel like you're, you're stuck in it. There were some folks that before we moved into Lamentations, they kind of read ahead and one person said, what were you thinking? Why are we about to go through this book? Well, sometimes it is dark and sometimes it, it does feel like we get stuck there. But suddenly, suddenly in Lamentations 3, I mean, it's like a supernova of the glory of God's love. You know, a supernova is just like when this explosion of, of light that's greater than anything else in the heavens. And, and, and that's what happens here. And we kind of move from remembering the pain and focusing on the pain to remembering hope. And I'd like to read our text, verses 19 through 23 of Lamentations 3. This is the very Word of God. Remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. That's the bitterness and the difficulty. Verse 20. My soul continually remembers it, and it is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And here's what, here's the good news about the flow of life in our lives this morning. I just want to put it in a sentence and maybe you could remember the sentence. Maybe you could write this down and talk about this over lunch maybe. But here's the sentence. Because God's love is true, His mercies are ever new. Let me say that again. Because God's love is true, His mercies are ever new. And I'd like to begin with this concept of a God of loyal and reliable love who changes not, whose love is true. Verse 22, but this I call to mind... And therefore I have hope the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Now the core 
of these verses is that word in the Old Testament used over 250 times. That word above all words, period, in the Old Testament about the love of God. And, it, and it's, it's one of these words that we just don't have English for. There's not a word in English that is a rough equivalent of this word. Now, I'm going to say it the right way one time, and then I'm going to say it the wrong way. The right way is, it's H-E-S-E-D. The right way is chesed. Okay, you see why I don't want to do that a hundred times? Chesed. I'm going to be saying hesed from here on out, if you don't mind. The steadfast love of the Lord. The word love doesn't get it for hesed. You have to string together words to really begin to pull back the curtain and see what God's love is really all about and why His love matters in our lives. So maybe you could, you could put these words together. Maybe it could be steadfast, love, compassion, uh, loving kindness, grace, covenant faithfulness, everlasting goodness. You kind of get that when you put all that together. Steadfast love, everlasting kindness, uh, eternal grace, loving kindness, covenant faithfulness. This passage is an explosion of God's love in the dark. In the midst of the most incredible struggling and suffering like none of us has ever gone through. And that is not to minimize our struggles. Please don't misunderstand me. But this matters in the flow of our life. God matters. One of the most famous examples of steadfast love really underscores, like the book of Lamentations, why it's called steadfast love. You see, it's called steadfast love because it comes from God and that's His character. God's reliable. But it's also called steadfast love because we don't love God. And we turn from God. Meaning God's love is sometimes in spite of us. Our love is not steadfast. His love is different. And in Exodus 34, there is this amazing proclamation by God Himself. Exodus 34, 6, if you want to turn there ahead of time about who He is and what His love is like. And do you know what that declaration of love by God is in reference to, what it's following? It's it's following Exodus 32. Exodus 32 is one of the worst chapters in the history of God's people. It starts out great. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to receive a gift from God. It's called the Ten Commandments. It's called the Law. It is a part of how His grace is shown to us. It is a a high mountain vista of the glory and holiness of God and and a life well lived before God. It's a mirror of His moral perfection and leads us to grace. So Moses is up on the mountain with God and he doesn't come back for a long time. And Aaron's in charge of the people down in the camp and they begin to think Moses isn't coming back. And now they're way out here, and this is part of the, why did we ever leave Egypt, and a lot of that's going on. And finally, they, they panic, and they get convinced Moses isn't going to come back, and they turn on Moses. But more importantly, they turn on Yahweh. They no longer worship God. 
If God's going to leave us out here in the desert, and if God's man's not going to come back, let's find ourselves another God. And do you know what they do? They take that gold, you know, that, that the Egyptians gave them coming out of Egypt, and they melt it all together. And Aaron commissions some of the great craftsmen of, craftsmen of, e, of uh, Israel, and they create a golden calf. And you got to understand, a golden calf, that's like a fertility religion. And then there's this, this ruckus raised in the camp. There's this worship that is about drunkenness and revelry. And there are all kind of sexual overtones in all the, how this worship is going down and this fertility stuff. It is ridiculously sinful and idolatrous and selfish and fearful and all these things. And Moses comes down. Remember what happens? Moses says, what is the sound of, of revelry? What's going on? Why is there a, must be a party in the camp. Oh, there's a party, all right. And he cannot believe his eyes. He is furious. He's holding the law of God. He's holding the representation of the absolute holiness of God. Watching this, he got so mad. You know what he did, right? He smashed the Ten Commandments. He said, those people are not worthy of the Ten Commandments. Well, there's a lot that goes on between Exodus 32 and 34. But the important thing is that after this golden calf incident, God sends Moses back up to the mountain. You know why? He's bringing down the Ten Commandments again. Because God didn't think, like Moses, that his people didn't deserve the Ten Commandments. God loved his people even while they were hating him. God loved his people even in the midst of their wild rebellion. And when Moses chiseled out that second, interesting that he chiseled out the second, you know, two uh, tablets, God said this to Moses. Exodus 34, 5 and 6. It says, The Lord descended in a cloud... And stood around Moses there. That's pretty amazing. And the Lord proclaimed his name. The Lord passed before Moses and he proclaimed, listen to this. The Lord, all caps, Yahweh, that's the covenant promising steadfast name of God for his people. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's amazing. That's how steadfast the love of God is. There's revelry in the camp and utter apostasy and God still loves them. A lot like God's Word coming to the ruins, the the smoldering ruins of Jerusalem after another fit multi-year fit of idolatry after this, this aftermath in Lamentations 1 and 2 let me tell you something God's love is there God's love is true He is always there He always loves His people He is always for His people even in spite of us that's just who God is that's good news this morning for people like us and you know something? His, his love is not only steadfast, it is chesed love, but it says his compassions or his mercies never come to an end. Meaning it's not like some tank of gasoline that runs out. 
His mercies never run dry. Matthew Henry said the rivers of God's mercy run continually, fully, and constantly. They cannot run dry. Do you believe that? As, as, as the flow of life maybe is against you, as you're trying to find God in the midst of this, do you believe that this is who our God is? And His mercies never run dry. God would have you see this in the middle of whatever you're in the middle of this morning. And He would have you know that He loves you. If you've put your trust in what Jesus has done on the cross and accepted His grace and His provision for your sin on your behalf, which is effective before the throne of God, rather than trying to make it on your own before a holy God. If that's where you are this morning, God would have you see His love. And this is all about how that love actually matters in our lives. It's not just about knowing about it. His compassions never run dry. So, first of all is, because His love is true. And because of that, secondly, His mercies are ever new. But we, we read in verse 21, we really need to remember this. You see, God's love is. But sometimes we don't recognize it. Sometimes we don't want to see it. Sometimes we need to remember His great mercies and His love. Verse 21, but, but I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Remember what he said? He said, remember me, and I, I remember the wormwood and the gall. I remember these things, and I am bowed down in my soul, and I'm just broken. But this I call to mind. It's a new subject, the love of God. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You know, I want to make a suggestion to you. And I've had to think about this in my own life many times. I think sometimes we need to be kind of structural about this. We need to be kind of intentional about this. And when we're going in, when the flow of life's kind of going against us and we're not sure what to do, I think we literally need to sit down, call a timeout, and begin to remember. Because what's going on in front of us is not the only story. There's a greater story of God's love that matters more. When I feel down and under the gun and depressed and all these things that we feel in life, I need to remember God's faithfulness to me. And, and sometimes I literally remember when I first understood the gospel and what a gift that was. I, I sometimes have to go back on purpose and remember what it was like to be forgiven of my sins and to, to feel that release before God and to know that I belong to Him to know that he, that he loved me and, and this was the beginning of a new life. I remember that. You know, I remember time and again His provision. But I have to remember it. In the midst of these difficulties, I, I remember some amazingly precise provisions that just shocked me they were so precise. Not all the time. But I remember these things. I remember God changing my heart when my heart needed to be changed and changing the hearts of other people when their hearts needed to be changed so our hearts could get together. And I remember that happening. 
And just being in wonder of that. And, and I remember the provision of great comrades just when things were, were very difficult and, 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 and people to walk along the way with. Do you remember? Do you remember the times of your life and His chesed love and His provision and His mercies for you? But here's the thing. See, this isn't just about knowing it. And it's not even just about remembering something in the past. Here's the thing. Lamentation says that all those memories are now. All those memories are now. And we can trust in the steadfast love because God changes not. Everything that He has done is because of who He is and He hadn't changed And we can trust Him now. You see, whether it's the corporate members that we have through Scripture of God's people, we say, yes, that is what they went through. Here's how God provided. Whether it is a memory that we have of of something that we went through and we said, God, help. And, And this is how He provided. You know what? That's now, you see. Because God's no different. There's no asterisk by what you're going through now that separates anything else anybody who's ever known God has ever been through. Because God's love is faithful. The word here for mercies, compassions, is related in Hebrew to the word womb, W-O-M-B. And it kind of has to do with this ultra care. But it's also related here to something new like a birth. That God's mercies, His care, they, they never run out, but they are new. There's something born this morning. They are new every morning. I, I call it God's reset button. And uh, there's a reset every morning of our lives. Do you know that if you've put your trust in Jesus and you have a relationship with God based on Him... Do you know that you woke up this morning under the smiles of God? I'm not saying God approves of everything in your life. That's what I'm saying. But He he is smiling because He accepts you, if that's where you are, on the basis of Jesus. And He only loves you to the extent that He loves His own Son. And He only accepts you to the extent that He accepts His own Son. This is good news. And there's a reset. And there's mercies that are new every morning. We might say fresh as the morning. Are you going to live into it? That's the question. You know, when I lived in Colorado for seven and a half years, one of the, one of the great things about living in Colorado and being younger than I am now is I got a ski pass every year. And uh, great moment in skiing. What I'm about to tell you has nothing to do with my skill because I cannot tell a lie uh, about my skiing. But uh, anyway, one of the great moments of skiing is you, you get early in the morning, right when the lifts open. And what you do is you look at the map of all the, the different ski runs and you go to all the way to the one in the back. And do you know why? Because everybody else is going to the closest one. You know why you're going to the one in the back? Because you get to the one in the back and it's been groomed the night before and it's just virgin and it's just perfect. I mean, yesterday at closing time, that thing had more ruts in it and almost moguls in it. And it was a rough ride all the way down, but not this morning. 
And I tell you, the, the, the feeling of just being able to just be the first skier carving into that groomed snow. This is kind of like the mercies of God. This morning... This morning, the mercies of God were just groomed for you. Are you skiing into this day? I mean, who was God to you this morning? What's going on in your life? What, What is the flow of life doing right now? How are you reacting to it? When the Allied forces, the 21st Army liberated the city of Cologne in 1945. They found an inscription on the wall of the cellar of some people that had been hiding from the Nazis for years. And I love this because it it just kind of says, scratched out in chalk, on the wall of multiple years of pain, something beautiful. And this is what the inscription said. I believe in the sun when it is not shining. I believe in love when I cannot feel it. And I believe in God even when he is silent. Do you? But this I call to mind. In the ruins of Jerusalem, in the midst of the fresh graves and the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life, this I call to mind. And this is why I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never run out. They never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know why God's mercies are new every morning? Because it's not that there's something wrong with God's mercies and they're weak. Because yesterday's mercies were for yesterday. And today's mercies are for today. It's kind of like that manna God put out on the ground. You can get enough for today. And all God's requiring of you and me is to walk with God today. And and we all with unveiled faces behold the love of God in the face of Jesus Christ today. And there's enough manna today. This is good news. In the midst of lamentations... And i tell you the other reason that His mercies are new every morning is because we sin every day. And there needs to be a reset. And God says to sinners like me and like you, I still love you. Good morning. Good morning. I still love you. My mercies are new for you today. So how do you react when the flow is against you? You know, I, I hear people say, you know, sometimes I wonder if God is even there. Sometimes I wonder if God even cares. And I want you to know, I would never make fun of such a statement. Thank God for a person that actually could say that out loud. And you know what? That would be a very accurate and meaningful statement if God were some distant regal figure on a throne somewhere running the world, the cosmos, in macro with levers and far, far away. And I wonder where God is. And I'm not sure He's talking to me when I talk to Him. And all these things, look, we get it. But that's not who God is. And that's what the point of Lamentations 3 is. No, no, no. Grace is different. Our salvation comes through pain. For people who have pain, please understand your salvation came through pain and it was God's pain for you. 
and for me. God is not far away. God is not impersonal. God so loved the world that He came and He suffered in our place. Jesus took up our humanity and took it all the way to the cross and suffered in agony for us. And what this tells us is, wherever the flow of life is hitting you right now, you need to understand this. It tells us that God does not remain distant from human suffering. He cannot remain distant from because God is incarnate. God is Savior. God became a part of human suffering. And not only does He love you with a chesed, steadfast love, you can trust that love. You can talk to Him because He's been there. He has great compassion on you and me as we, as we kind of experience the flow of life at, at different points. You need to understand that. God's not just, God doesn't just have His hands crossed somewhere up on a throne going, yeah, 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 when are you going to get your act together? No, no, no. God suffered and embraces the sufferer who remembers His mercies. And His mercies are new to people who remember. And you know what? There is always hope. When there's God, you know, I recall these things, it says, and therefore I have hope. Not this, I hope this will happen. I hope so-and-so will meet uh, the right person. I hope this, all that hope is, is fine, but it's based on things outside of just kind of uh, things that need to happen and, and the actions of, of people who are sinners. No, no, no. This hope is based on something that is sure, that has always been. It is the very character of God and it is the love that has been demonstrated through suffering. You can trust a hanging, suffering, bleeding Savior. He's not trying to get anything out of you. There's no power play here. There's no religious tricks. That is God who loves you suffering. And if you know Him, you can take your sufferings to Him. But will we remember? Will you call these things to mind? You see this table? It's so good that we're doing this this morning with Lamentations 3. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take this tablecloth off and we're going to take these elements Jesus gave us and we're going to remember together. Isn't that great? Maybe you say, well, I'm having a hard time remembering. We're going to help you today. We're going to remember together today. And we're going to hold bread that means He actually came and He actually died. And we're going to drink wine that means He shed His blood for us and that means He loves us. And we're not just going to remember. We're going to commune in real time with God because that is the other reason that Jesus gave this supper because He wants to be with us. The bread that we break, is it not the participation of the body of Christ? Is it not the communion? Is it not the presence? Is it not what we need? and we will call to mind and we will remember together and hope is here. Let me close with a story and then we'll go to the table. Some of you will recognize this name right off. Thomas Obadiah Chisholm. Okay? Thomas Obadiah Chisholm or Thomas O. Chisholm as he's known had an incredibly difficult life. When he was a young man, he lived to 94 years old. When he was a young man, 
uh, he, he was so physically ill, and he, he, he prepared for the ministry. He got ordained. He got a church. He, couldn't, he, didn't even, he wasn't even able to stay in his church a year. And he had to go to bed. And he was incapacitated. And his health was so fragile that there were long periods of time when he was confined to the bed. He was unable to do. He was unable to work. And, and sometimes between these, these horrendous bouts uh, of illness and incapacitation, he would just keep having to push himself and push himself. And it wasn't like anybody was giving him money. So he'd go get odd jobs while he was sick, pushing himself and pushing himself to make ends meet. This was a hard life. But this guy, Thomas Old Chisholm, he loved the Lord. He came to know Christ when he was 27 years of age. And he found great comfort in the Scriptures. And, and one of the main verses that, that he just memorized and he, he just focused on over and over. And you can just imagine what it was in, this, in this, the ruins of a body that he lived in. It was Lamentations 3. And one day he was so moved by Lamentations 3, he took his pen... And it's just one of those moments where it just happened on paper and he wrote out a poem. And he sent that poem to a friend of his named William Runyon, who was just like this unknown, obscure friend, musician who was a friend of his. Runyon read the poem and was so moved he just burst into tears. And very quickly, music came to him. And he, and he, and he wrote a musical score for this poem, and that is how in 1923, the hymn that we sang to begin this service, Great is Thy Faithfulness, came about. And so I would like to read to you a couple of verses of that hymn as we go to the table. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. That's who God is. And that is what his love is like. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to know what is true? Not only to know it, but to experience it. You are a God of chesed love. You are a God of the cross. You are a God of eternal sonship. Lord, would you have compassion on your people this morning? And would you, by the power of your Spirit, open our eyes to the reality in the midst of the flow of life of your steadfast love that has been there and continues to be there? Would you help us to embrace the fact and actually your mercies? that are new this morning. Lord, would you lift people up 
would you teach us, even as we move to the table, something about the love of Jesus and your reliability, O God, in the flow of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.